Warning. The following broadcast is not approved by your teacher, university, politician, or government. Side effects may include skepticism, better reasoning skills, liberty, peace, and an escape from the woke. Welcome to the show. I am your host, L.B. Muniz, and this is the Been Awake Podcast for Better Sense Making. If you are within the sound of my voice, haven't visited beenawake.com and subscribed with your email address, can I ask you to do that today? Well, I'm not sure if you can see the video quite yet on YouTube because I have the screen share going, but I got... I reworked my apartment a little bit in this uh, in this little break I've taken from putting out content. Um, we'll get into that a little bit. I've got a friend with me on the show today, old friend. Uh, you can find him on Instagram at get.maintained. He is a maker, which I think we'll talk a little bit about. Um, so let's let's start there. Let me bring let me bring uh, let me bring him on the show. So I like to say when I start interviews, a little out of laziness but a lot more because I'm philosophically interested in the question, which you're a listener of the show, so you kind of understand and you've been prepared for this question. How do you identify? And I'm going to add one more qualifier just because you, what you do as a content creator is different than what I do as a content creator. So it doesn't have this, the question of identity is it doesn't have to be political, um, but it tends, but just given the nature of, of what I cover a lot of, it tends to go that way. So how do you identify? All right. So twofold, I guess there. Um, I always like to say I'm not political. Like I don't think anybody's particularly right. So my saying is I think the people on the left are idiots. I think the people on the right are idiots. I think I'm an idiot. You know, we're all sort of walking around doing the best we can, doing lots of dumb stuff and a lot of good stuff too. But, um, and that's sort of how I go about it. We're all learning and, you know, I don't think anybody's got got it right. So, but more than that, because like you Skep- said, you know, I'm not- very. I think we should be skeptical. You know, sure. look at things, question things when it seems like it's appropriate to question things. You know? Yeah. Um, um. Well, what I was gonna, but what I was, what I was also driving at is like, you, like you said, you're not really. What's what I'm looking forward to in this interview is that you're not, you're not the news junkie I am, right? And yeah. and but you're still in the content creation game. My right? my shop. Right. Yeah. It's in your shop. So, yeah. so what would you say that identity is? Uh, the best term I found, cause I'm not technically an engineer, right? Like I didn't mm-hmm. go to college. I didn't get a degree. that says, Hey, I'm an engineer. People have said that word, but it's just like, I make things, I create things, design things, build things, use my hands, use CAD, use 3d modeling. You know, I can say machinist to some people. I say I'm a 3d printer. I'm a three, depending on who I'm talking to, just because you go into all the, hats I wear. Uh, I teach technical seminars. So like I, I learned from interacting with people um, and having good conversations with people and just seeing, you know, even if I don't agree with them, seeing where they lie, you know, because there's a lot, you know, I've traveled a lot like the US, Europe. So like I've seen and talked to lots of different people where they're comfortable. And it's just, you know, that's why I'm excited about this conversation because we have a nice comfort. We can we can hold space for an idea even if we don't necessarily 
think it's a good idea. Yeah, we've been friends for over a decade. Since before you could drive. So yeah, since before <laughs> I could drive. Yeah, because you're a couple years older than me. And that's that's actually one of the ways in when our moms could... made us drive each other around. Well, I don't think that's how it worked. I think you were just nice enough to do yeah. it. And for some reason my parents trusted you, um, which was probably their mistake. Mm. But no, we were um we were theater nerds in high school, which is something which we can we can get into a little bit. Um but maker was the word I was trying yeah. to let you to go go yeah. for. That's how I that's how I plugged you on on Twitter um, and it's how, you, it's how you word. talk about yourself a lot yeah. is just as a maker. So yeah. what you spend a lot of your time doing like Adam Savage, I mean, he advised very much as a maker. So it's like I grew mm-hmm. up watching that kind of stuff and learning that kind of way of like fumbling through things, going to school in the first one, you know, like really just learning through failure repeated failure <laughs> yeah well and we and we've and so what we what we do talk about because you do you have um you have your own business and you are also uh you know you do 3d printing you've designed a beard comb that's pretty dang cool if i say so myself i have one um and, and a bunch of other products too that we've kind of we've talked about in, in different capacities um but it's what's exciting about that is like you said it's kind of the the failure thing and so when we talk about what you're producing and what, what i'm working on what we go with a lot is the idea of consistency mm-hmm. versus perfection and try and i think given our upbringing going to a more higher like a like a college preparatory school where it's a really competitive academic environment i'm really starting to see the way it, it was i definitely think in the long run it was good Right. I think it was good for us. It was good for it's good for people to have that kind of a competitive environment. But also, if it's if it's not reinforced properly, we run into some issues. And one of those issues that I've kind of discovered about myself was I would procrastinate because I wanted to um, I would procrastinate because I wanted to make sure I produced the most perfect thing. And I said this recently in a group chat that I'm that I'm in. And we were kind of talking about that. And we were talking about the flow state. Right. Which yeah. is it, which oh, yeah. if you have any kind of creative endeavors in your life, you've likely you've, you can likely experience it in some form. And frankly, even if you just like drive a lot, right, just driving on the road, you can kind of enter this flow state oh, where yeah. my brain is like my mind is not exactly in my body, but I'm still like paying attention to the road. It's a good kind of autopilot. Yeah. Yeah. That's 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 one way of putting it. But part of the flow state, you know, the question came up of like, well, how do you get into it? And I used to think that deprivation was the key. Yeah. Right. It's like, and, don't and it, sleep. Yeah. Don't sleep Drive for eight hours. Push yourself. Yeah. Push yourself as hard as you could. Right. And push yourself to the max of what you can achieve. And then in that, when you get there, you can actually produce the best thing ever. And what I've really found in, you know, as I've gotten older and I've made an effort to be like, okay, I'm going to be a writer. I'm going to do a podcast. These are things that I'm passionate about and talk about ideas that I'm passionate about. What I find what I have found, and it's just, I don't know, I like this as just kind of an intro into some of the other things we're talking about, because this is just more, this is far more applicable to your everyday life. It's just a matter of consistency. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like we've been, you know, I've texted like, ah, I got, I got to do a podcast. And like, you know, I mentioned on the last episode that I lost my grandfather. Um, and then I got sick. Um, uh, allegedly, according to at least one test I took, I anal swab. I, I, yeah. Well, why does everyone go right there with me? Huh? Um, uh, must be something I, well, anyway, um, but yeah, so my, I lost my, <laughs> I lost my grandfather. Um, he died, uh, from, he did have COVID-19. He was also old. He was also, he was well, he high had, risk. He had emphysema. He had diabetes. Um, he was overweight. He didn't, uh, he, he, he 
he wasn't the healthiest person, but he was a great guy. Um, one of my favorite people in the world. So I wrote a piece. Uh, you can go read it on binawake.com. I, I think I'll put a separate episode out where I just kind of do that for premium subscribers. Um, but yeah, so, you know, that was kind of, it was a rough few weeks within my family because of it. And, and also real work got busy in a good way. Um, you know, the don't be poor mentality works and I'm finally for the first time in my life, not completely poor. So yeah, big congrats on that, man. It's so, you know, it's, it's a, you know, I think, um, one thing, one thing that I wrote about, and you know, you can share your thoughts is one thing I wrote about in that piece is a little bit how, you know, what we do, death is still like this mystery that we all have to deal with as human beings. Right. And but one thing it does do is it, it like the oldest question, basically, like what happens when you die? Yeah. And everything around life is based on that. Right. And I would say, yeah, insofar as there is consciousness, right? Consciousness kind of requires you to think about not having the end con- of. Yeah. 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 To not have consciousness. And like Parmenides has this great thing about, you know, there is there is what is and there is what is not. And you actually can't think of what is not like if I tell you to think about nothing you're actually still thinking about something you're That's thinking ADD. about you're well you're but you're right and you're and you're thinking about the fact that I'm telling you to think about nothing right and so it's so it's not quite to say nothing because even if you're emptying your mind that's still an active process anyway um but it's but there is um there's a degree to which uh, death shapes the living just as much as it you know removes um r- removes somebody from like your from your network and certainly just you know speaking personally afterwards, it was like, okay, what are my priorities? What do I want to see for myself in my life? What kind of a legacy do I want to leave? Because my grandfather left a pretty, pretty incredible legacy coming to this country not finishing high school, working his way up a corporate ladder, providing for his family. I mean, basically what people call like the American dream. Absolutely. Like, quote unquote, like you did it, you immigrated here, you mm-hmm. did it from nothing five dollars in my pocket off a boat and now yeah. you know that's and you know like right? there's that story and then there's yeah. the broader story of how uh you know like a great great uncle i think it would have been was our you know we already had family that was here before the revolution um and so like it's one of those things where yeah okay there was there was something of an infrastructure but the infrastructure is just the board the game board right that you have around you and the incentive structure that's put in front of you what matters is the moves you make what matters is how you choose to play the game like stepping up and leaving cuba like right. moving like not like to a different state or a different city like hey i'm gonna like cross the ocean or the goal you know like that's a well and one big decision especially back in the day it's not like taking a flight nowadays for southwest and that's one of the things that you and i talk about a lot because you have a, your family has a similar immigration story as well just coming from um you know just coming from central or what would it technically be eastern europe yeah from from ukraine um coming into this country so yeah it's 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 a good um it's good to remember where you came from same so, generations removed so yeah. one of the so make no mistake one of the things that i did decide after that is that is is pouring myself into these creative endeavors because i love writing i love doing the show i love sharing ideas and in the hopes that somebody finds them useful or interesting um so that was that i think that kind of that, that at least makes me feel better about explaining why I haven't been producing as much content as I, I could be lately. Um, you had COVID. I, <laughs> I mean, that's I technically that's, did. That's, yeah. 
that so right after that happened, to get like a free two weeks off work right it was really only a few days i did end up getting sick and i did get a positive test for covid and then 36 hours later it wasn't so i'm guessing that's what i had when i got sick but i didn't you know i didn't have uh, funny enough actually i'll talk i guess i'll talk about it i didn't have any of the symptoms i, I had you know like i didn't so much lose my sense of smells so much as just being congested all the time yeah. which, which I'm often congested. So I didn't really lose my sense of smell. I didn't lose my sense of taste. Um, I was just normal sick where I thought I had food poisoning or a stomach bug. Uh, it just lasted a couple extra days and um, I'm better now. So yeah, so that happened. And then I had to go for, go down for the funeral and I almost missed the funeral because of this fucking state that we live in. Um, so, you know, I encourage people to stay healthy. I encourage people, you know, given that we're streaming this live on YouTube, if you feel that if you feel that getting stuff is necessary, you, you're more than welcome to do so. Not to say it's not serious for other people. I mean, it was a contributing factor of when my grandfather passed away, yeah, but people, also, my, also my grandmother recovered from it in the same amount of time. So this is the world we live in, people, where we have to censor our words actively in a podcast that's supposed to be about being open and honest. But no, we wanted to talk we i had kind of messaged about the times i guess is yeah about the times i think there's a couple of interesting things we can where we can take this take the idea um i had initially reached out to you to kind of talk about the end of the afghanistan war given the fact that you know you read the content but you're not but you're you're admittedly as we kind of talked about you're not really a news junkie you're not trying to follow and, and as well you shouldn't you're not really trying to follow all the different avenues and trajectories and storylines and one thing about so you know coming from the very coming from the libertarian background that i do right is there's a high cross there's a high percentage in fact almost an entire crossover of the anti-war movement inside the libertarian movement in fact in that there is an anti-war movement in the United States, it's, it's I, I would I would argue it's pretty well driven by by libertarianism. Well, it was interesting, what, whatever that is, when like all that, like when it ended, I got some chats on uh, Instagram with some friends and it was like, you know, you, it was 20 years and we were all like, yeah, we sort of didn't realize it went on for 20 fucking years. It's like, holy shit. I mean, like, you know, but it was like. It's just crazy thinking about all that happened that sort of started spurring about all the questions and like, I mean, we all remember. 9-11 too so it was just like very tied together and like timing always being 20 it's just all yeah. well they are the cycles right there's, exactly the cycles of history it's here's the i'm trying to think of how i want to start attacking the issue and you you had sent me some questions so maybe that would be it but one of the reasons why without looking at the list of questions let me ask you what because one thing that was one thing that i find difficult and this is how this is the metaphor that I've been thinking about for this. And this is how you it's it's like this is this is this is like what the news cycle is. This is how you try to see the bend of time, as it were, or like the trajectory of of where things are going and like possible outcomes. Yeah. And that that trajectory, oh God, mixing metaphors here, but that has like a gravitational pull to it. Right. So there's a gravitational pull to the future, maybe, maybe. I don't know. I don't know if I like that, but let's, but let me stick with this. Too much Star Trek. I'm, well, no, I'm trying to work this out in real time. So it's, um, so like there's this like gra the, the gravitational pull and those of us who are like, especially on Twitter as a social media outlet, but also those of us who are actively consuming the news cycle, those of us who are uh, ostensible content creators who like literally, you know, I call myself a sense maker. I'm trying to take the world. I'm trying to take raw data and interpret it and put it into a narrative for people to understand. 
right? And to and make it easy to understand pretty heavily, which is part of where it comes from. Yeah, the know? history and so the, I'm interested. That, that's part of where we get a mm-hmm. lot of crossovers. I big history. It's like, well, should this happened at least a thousand times already? Let's right. See, and so it, what you know? what kind of happens is like. You know, if you if we think of it, so let's think of it closer to the solar system now. Forget trajectories. That's why I was trying to go the bend of time. Um, but if we think about it, like with like a sun at the center of it, there are some of us, you know, who are trying to get as have as narrow an orbit as we can, so that we can try and see what's coming up next quicker than somebody who is like all the way out there, like a Pluto or Neptune, if we we're going to like relate it to our solar system. And I think there's, and so what happens as a consequence, this is the point I've been leading up to, what happens as a consequence is when something like the withdrawal from Afghanistan occurs, right? Because I wrote about it a few months ago at beenawake.com. What happens when the withdrawal of Afghanistan occurs is me and other people like me as, as like news junkies, as people who are, you know, engaged and actively engaged with these sorts of things like, oh yeah, well, this, none of this stuff is that surprising. But I don't think we can deny the fact that there was a lot of surprising things that happened, especially for yeah, people. Yeah, I'm not surprised that the war attention. ended, but it was just like specifically how it ended. Like all the, mm-hmm. I mean, everybody knows. I wouldn't just, I don't need to rehash and be. Well, news but let's, myself, but let's, but let's but... rehash. What's one of the, that's, that was the question I wanted to ask. Like, what was not so much because there is the reflection point, which is what we'll get into kind of that, I think, after this question, but. What were some of the most surprising things from your perspective? And we can kind of play with that a little bit to try and draw some of the ideas behind it out. So like two things, and they sort of seem to stay true. Like it just keeps happening and breaking down into like what a complete, you know, one, what a complete absolute clusterfuck it was. Nobody could say it was done well to any standard, you know, security left before people were removed. Like that's just fucking tech, you know, so there's the fallout from that, you know, high ups in the military just resigning because they're like no you guys are just incompetent right so like that's a huge thing um and the other one is like all of a sudden we're sort of and i mean we meaning like the uh, you know the current leadership right not biden specifically i don't attribute you know but um like it's like well the taliban seemed business like like everything is now like oh they're not the worst you know all of a sudden it's like well but they were like a little bit of like we're just are, are they not as bad as we were saying they were or you know they only occasionally behead like that's not bad we got some shit going on in chicago like is that just like being in the city like they don't have the guns they just behead people instead of doing drive-by shootings like you know whatever so you know the media never makes people as bad as they seem or as good as they see or however the saying goes sure that was ever as good as they seem nobody's ever as bad as they seem or yeah there's so there's those are the two full kind of like things that came out of like it's just weird how we're reacting with the taliban now yeah you know so so the other piece i wrote recently was it's time to grow up yeah and certainly when we move into the foreign policy discussion right and even the domestic policy discussion it's actually completely applicable it's just easier to it's easier for people to see it in the foreign standpoint because there's less conflation of the institution and ideas with oneself Right. Inevitably, inevitably, if you're if you have grown up in the United States, for the most part, um, put a pin in this idea. It's kind of the, the all the with Mexican Independence Day this week. It's had me and, I've, and also a date I went on recently, too. But it has has had me. It's, it's interesting to think that it, it is interesting to note that people don't have the same upbringing. But generally speaking, you know, if you like grew up in the United States, you have a general fealty, a general you generally identify yourself with the United States government. 
and uh, like the, the idea of patri- the patriotism, the flag that you fly, correct, all these different things. And this all this all makes up again what I call like identity. And I, you know, I view identity as a paradox, which is to say, in order to revolve it, we need to engage in ration or rational thought in order to breach an understanding and in, in, in the hopes of a maybe broaching truth at some point. That's a little too esoteric. What I'm driving at is the fact that when it's time, it's time to grow up means that you can't look at the world as strictly good guys and bad guys. But that is the narrative constructed by media outlets and by, you know, the government, by the cathedral. Yeah, it's not the Marvel universe, and, you know, where right. you know who's the best. I mean, and obviously there's, there's times there where they blur the lines themselves, but like mm-hmm. that very superhero, you know, Harry Potter, you know, Lord Voldemort is generally not considered a decent fellow in the book. Like Correct. maybe he had an okay pass at some point, but like. <laughs> well, and there's, there's an interesting like revisionist thing that's been done with that too, where like people identify with the Slytherin house and it's kind of like, oh yeah, oh, that's weird. Uh, but, but let's, but what the point I'm driving at though, is, is this idea of the media, like you don't understand what's going on in the world. I barely do, right? None of us do. That's kind of, that's recognizing the limits of our ability to understand something. Well, at least we don't directly experience it. Correct. We because we're not there. Through some, whatever it is. It through a sense-making apparatus, right? Like, the, which is to say yeah. that, and generally speaking, the corporate press and the, and, the, and the media and the media outlets. And so what they do is they tell you, right? They tell you who is a good person and who is a bad person. And 20 years ago, when we were far too young to understand what was going on, but we were still taking in this information, the Taliban was conflated with Al Qaeda continually and continuously. Right. It was that's why we had to go to Afghanistan, because they were protecting Al Qaeda to the point where even on and this point has been made before, but it's worth mentioning that even in 20, even in the 2020 election cycle during the Democratic primary, some. I don't know, representative who was on the debate stage for some reason made the point of saying, you know, a tal- the Taliban attacked us on 9-11. It's like, well, no, they didn't. What is what's important to note here, then, because you brought up the question, which is like, well, hang on. Now we're like getting along with these guys like like that. It wasn't even like a slow. Well, it was slow. It's been because go- the Trump administration had been working on this like two years ago. They had signed the withdrawal agreement before. Biden ever took office and we should have been out like back in May. So Biden administration extended it, breaking a contract effectively, also insulting people's honor, which is like part of what I brought up because the Taliban does have a, a very strict one that I would disagree with in many respects, but they do have like an honor based culture. Right. So it's, it's, and, and it's just the West one more time backing out on a deal or not doing what they were supposed to do on it. Um, so frankly, I was coming into it. I thought there was going to be a lot more violence. I thought there was going to be a lot more uh, instability. I was surprised about that. I thought there was going to be a lot more shit going on too. And I think that's where dry again. Like, I mean, to, what happened is terrible, right? But it's like, well, it could have been a lot worse, you know? Like, yeah. And like you sent me this 20 pick. years later after nine 11, aren't they still going to, if it right. was that big of a deal, aren't they going to. Right. You know, well, right? and here's the thing. Somebody can. And, and again, when we're talking about, and again, this is applicable to your everyday life, too. But when we're talking about geopolitics, just because somebody is brutal, just because somebody is violent does not mean that they aren't rational and does not mean that they have a self-interest. They don't have self-interest. And the Taliban wants to take over Afghanistan. And there's and, you know, there's a, maybe a point to be made that they had already controlled Afghanistan the entire time, because as soon as the American military pulls out, they immediately take over the country. 
what I think is interesting about that. So that, so that, so that's what I'd say. Are the Taliban good people? Not really. Um, it, what there is, there has been an interesting thing that you might not have seen, but they've been like, their memes have gotten like good such that yeah, I did. It's funny when you watch, see a lot of memes and it's just like, that's, you just see those things change. Well, just, and they seem to be, thing. they seem to be memes that are like dry, that are trying to, um, pull the disaffected American right, broadly speaking, right? So it's a it's this is just a simple sorting mechanism, right? And, you know, Malice's question is the best one on this. So we'll do it. We'll do it with you real quick. Are some people better than others? What's well, your answer with the microphone by your mouth? Just, just, just answer the question. Are some people better than others? And for God's sake, don't answer it wrong. I mean, would you say Jesus is better than everyone? So yes. Yeah. Right. There, Jesus, okay. There. Right. I'm gonna. That's gonna be my answer right there. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Good. So you're not left wing. Um, which I already knew. But the point is, the point that Malice makes is that a right winger says yes, a left winger gives a speech, right? And now there, and even that, even in the, well, you kind of started to, right? But you inevitably, you, you did inevitably give the answer, What's although you mean? kind of, kind of a cop out mentioning our Lord and Savior. What's, but oh. <laughs> anyway, so. They're, they seem to have been putting out these memes that like are trying that, that like the dis like disaffected America, broader American right could kind of like look at it and be like, oh, yeah, because they're making fun. They're poking a lot of fun at the woke progressive left. By yeah. the way, if the banging is coming through, I'm sorry. They're doing work. Yeah, my, my place is missing a roof. They're doing work on it. I kind of should have thought about that before we started recording. Oh, but good. who cares? Um, it's really, it's really loud on our end. But so the 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 disaffected like, you know, America right yeah. so but like so the, but then there's this danger where it's like oh well they're not too bad look at this it's like well I mean I'm I'm personally I mean I'd be open to listening to somebody argue against it I personally don't want to live under a more fundamentalist yeah I mean like I wouldn't want to live there regime, obviously right if yeah. for no other reason than being Christian um and and, per, and perhaps that is the only reason right yeah. but but to say that they are the worst actors in the world well, you, you think this, about it, if you're guerrilla force you want to seem extra ruthless because your budget's lower. Right. You but know, right? So it doesn't even, hurt them. But they were never even really a guerrilla force. But you get what I'm saying? Like, yes. it doesn't hurt to have a have have more of a meter. meter. Of a... But but the point I was going to make, and I was going to tie it back to the what we were saying before with Al the differences between Al Qaeda and Afghanistan or Al Qaeda and the Taliban is precisely that on 9-11, which we just celebrated the 20th anniversary yeah. of, we weren't attacked by Afghanis. Yeah. We weren't attacked by people from Afghanistan. We weren't really attacked by people from Iraq. We were attacked by people who were from Saudi Arabia and Egypt, yeah. which both have U.S. supported regimes. Yeah, and that, the, uh, yeah, right. And that's isn't that one of the big pushes that like some people I think is it the libertarians that are pushing the whole release the 9-11 documents because there's something they've been suppressing. They always like say Biden don't come and they did it to Bush. And yeah, I'm not really Obama. that's that's not one. That's not an area that I really get into. Yeah. There is the 9-11 report. There are like 11 pages that were redacted and that if you see it, it's I, I, I can't even remember the whole story off that. I think they released it but with like with a lot of redactions. And so, you know, the question is what's under it. Will we ever know? I don't think so. But that doesn't mean we can't come to conclusions about the world. And moreover, uh, you know, the part of practicing skepticism is recognizing the limits of knowledge. And, and more importantly, I think to you, this, this is an interesting jump off of that, is there is this tendency to think, and this is a question of human psychology, human nature, if you will. Um, there's a tendency to think of 
of, of things in terms of like, well, if we just unlock the secret knowledge and if the secret knowledge is available to everybody, then the world will change as a consequence. And as a skeptic, I just see the, and as a student of history and philosophy and stuff, what I see is that, well, it's like well, I said, would that in one be in the songs. Bible, the Apple Eve each then? Right. Well, sure. Yeah. If we that want, is the one quote that, unquote thing that be quote unquote gave you the knowledge of God, what's good and evil. Right? Correct. I mean, and, that, it, and it was, and it caused the fall of man. As I know other stories have things of other mythos. And, right. And, and so, the, of, and the, but the point I was drawing out is as a skeptic, you can kind of see how truth people think of truth as this static thing and maybe it is but our perception of the world isn't static the reality that we create isn't static it's dynamic history books can be written all the time and hit and truth is like history the editor allowed it right so it, so which is which isn't to say that there isn't truth but it is to say that be wary of people who claim to give you the truth not for nothing other than the fact of like make sure that what they're telling you actually works out in practice and and, and this, this relates to these super, and, and this parlays into the super complicated question of foreign policy and geopolitics, where most people don't understand it. And yet, you know, some 50 year old turns on the television and he sees the Taliban marching down the streets of Kabul in U.S. military gear. Drinking and, a beer in a recliner. Right. Swearing up. Yeah, 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 exactly. We just saw a great little stand up. Yeah, uh, we, uh, we watched Shane yeah. Gillis's stand up special last you know, night. You got the Fox News dad. You know, when right. his sister just gets pissed off the TV, drinking beer, and that's just thinking gets that one fact like Taliban, they're yeah. bad, or oh, that's southern border. It's like, well, I'm from Pennsylvania, right? Well, like, and this news media, this news media hasn't been preparing you for the withdrawal. This news media ha and, and the government hasn't been interested in the withdrawal. And and frankly, if you were to ask me the question, you know, why did we leave stuff there? I think it was by design. The, now, what the government has said, and this is this is just worth pointing out because this is how they construct the narrative, is what the government has said is that the, the Afghan military uh, was not as prepared as they had initially thought. Yeah, and, and a lot of people taking real big offense to like the the actual Afghani military, you know, the, the guys that you know, there's military training. They're like, no, it's it's the same thing. They weren't. But yeah. if you talk to anti-war activists and if you talk to people who have been over there and you ask them what the Afghan fighting force was like, they would have said they've said for years that they were pointless and useless. And we already mm -hmm. saw this occur in Iraq yeah. where where the where the propped up U.S. backed government really doesn't reflect the will of the people. And this is the this is the iron and this is the irony. And this is why we need to start stripping ourselves of the cult of American democracy. Right. And which is which we've all kind of participated in. And it, it and most people will inevitably participate in because it's kind of like the default state. And what the cult of American democracy does is it gives you two equal narratives so that you can attack the other people and you're not paying attention yeah, it's to black and white. You can either agree or disagree. There's no right. Well, but you also but depending on whether you're left or right, you have you have you have a different narrative that you yeah, you're kind speaking of, points. Exactly. You're talking points, which we've covered a little bit on the show. Um, but so, no, the Taliban, I don't think the Taliban are great guys. Are they better than some of the are they better than some of the other warlords who engage in like here, here's and here's why it gets complicated. And here's why you have to grow up, which a lot of which if you're a foreign policy buff, you already know this. If you're in kind of the antiwar.com orbit, you've already heard this, but it's a true statement. It's an accurate statement. You can read about it in the Kite Runner as well, which is a great novel that kind of came out in the early 2000s that talks about like Afghanistan before the Taliban and before the U.S. invasion. Yeah. Um but there, has, there is a brutal, brutal practice of raping young boys in Afghanistan. 
and the Taliban, even though they're incredibly repressive against women, even though they're incredibly uh, totalitarian in their implementation of like of, of uh, seventh century Islamic law, they also don't support raping boys. That's generally a good thing I say in society, right? <laughs> right. I mean, again, like not to say that there isn't bad things that happen to girls and that, you know, the men best, who beat the their wives. Support, sort of. Yeah, but this is part of but this is part of growing up. This is part of recognizing that the world, while while our brains want to sort things into yes Prime and no, us right. and then. Well, yeah, the, part of the Star but, Trek, if you're into that kind of. But even the but right. But the prime directive is kind of like this recognition of this older liberal idea that has basically gone away in the 21st century. Um, but it is it is something. But the point I'm dry, drawing out is it's tied to that if you're if you're a star, if you're a Star Trek buff. But it is that um, it is that you're never you're rarely going to deal with somebody especially if we're talking about government agencies with somebody who is completely innocent right and i think one one conversation we were having beforehand which is just kind of in, just from an ethical perspective and like how do you make the determinations is also how that how that comes to be in your business life right especially in your business life and your practices and the people that you choose to hang out with um you know inevitably you know are you supposed to are you supposed to serve this person are you supposed to engage in this kind of business practice and where i where people get lost and this is um this is it, it's a defensive thing and it's and it's kind of meant to protect yourself is when you get lost in sorry the point of it's um the issue isn't whether you're going to do something the issue really is what do you do in the moment it's very easy to set up your your ethical framework your moral framework in in the abstract oh yeah when it's, push goes to shove everything's different it's very easy to say well i would never do something but i'm also not going to put myself in a position to ever make that decision and I'm There's not even talking, and we're not talking about where you live. Yeah, you well, do, we're not. Like well, we're not talking here about like going over and being a warfighter. But you and I both are broadly in the manufacturing world, and you and I both know very well that it's not that difficult at all. It's yeah, it's not difficult at all. It's in fact, it's almost impossible to work in that world without without coming into contact with some sort of de defense contractor. Oh yeah, and some sort of and, and and or some sort of government application for for the technology that you provide or for the or for the equipment that you do as well. And so there are there are some people who would say, well, I just could never do anything like that. And that's great. But what what are you really doing at so that? What point? are you specifically doing? And are you, are you con unconscious about what you're you know, you're making leaving yourself blind? Yeah, to it and I'm not trying to say that that's a childish opinion. What I what I think the idea of growing up in that I'm trying practice to draw it, it out here. Yeah, is the practice of it, but also also just the recognition of the complexity. And that's what that's again, kind of how you have to, that's how I think you have to start looking at geopolitics if you want to fully understand it so now as a simple answer again going back to it taliban not great guys but are we is it really worth the billions of dollars spent to try and maintain some sort of order on the world right well that was a big i know that was uh in in like the defense contractor uh world you know the a big pushers to cheap airplanes like brazil came up with uh i don't remember the exact name is um but super Tucano, but the you know cost per hour because the war was just getting expensive so that was a big push you know the for that um it, it it's very interesting all that shit just works out but so that's but so that's i think how we would want to look at the taliban 
which which is to say how we look at most of the other governments on earth right so, so like my my understanding like of of like geopolitics comes from again i got i got you know i was really fortunate to travel when i was young i was performing you know um so like i've spoken to people in europe you know i've they have no clue what our media is like like people in russia there's a lot of people that like like Putin, right? Like generally, I don't. My family, like, it's not a person we like. We printed T-shirts when he invaded Ukraine that said "fuck you, Putin," or you know, it doesn't translate well. It's a great insult, Putin the Huila. Um, but the one thing that, like, my I had friends in the revolution, like, you know, the tire city, like, burning stuff down. Like, I spoke to people there, not like through news or direct news. Like when Cuba happened, you had people you could directly sort of interact with. So it's a different way of consuming the event, but. The one thing that really came out of it is like, you know, are people going to go out and like try to kill Putin, right? Like that was the talk. Like, let's go kill him. And everyone's like, well, you know, that sounds good. But then the people that take over after him are more eccentric and nowhere near as, for lack of a better word, intelligent as he is in geopolitical. Like he's not just nuking people. He's not as well, extreme. And look, and look what's happened to the government of, of you Ukraine know. in the aftermath of that. Right. And, and, and there was, frankly, that was a proxy that itself was a proxy between the United States and Russia. There were, but there were intelligence assets of the United States yeah. and Russia both there. I mean, there's the whole Burisma question with that relates to the Biden administration as well. Um, so there's so so none of these things. What's 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 always interesting and what you always have to do is try to separate how the people on the ground are feeling and the games that are being played. Right. With their exactly. Head. And that and and you again, this is part of growing up is realizing it's not. The, the protests that we saw last summer were not some organic understanding of people crying for justice. There were people crying for justice. Oh, yeah. But it was calculated. It was organized from the top down, as we discovered with the timepiece from the piece in the Times that we covered um, uh, that I covered on, on beenawake.com, where, you know, the expose basically where it was like, yeah, there were basically any single political, every single political operative in the Democratic Party and on the broader left wing was like coordinating through a couple of different Zoom calls every single week. And uh, from the top down. And then certainly, again, what have we seen? What have we seen as a result? And this is this is something to ponder on. It's a little reflexive. It's a little bit of an into it yourself. But hang on, because it's a little bit of an in-group thing. Right. Because I'm kind of talking to an audience who might not who's who's already predisposed to saying, like, well, those protests weren't a good idea. But it's still if you can put somebody in a frame of mind, it's worth dwelling on the question of, well, hey, what was this good for, right? And what actually came about I mean, as the, a consequence? The best of it. example of so, like, like I'm, you know, taking a step back, just looking how you know his, you know, hindsight, you know, looking at how history played out in short order, like the rioting happened for like half a year or summer at least, right? When it was nice out, and just the way everything, you know, media portrayed it, like, oh, you won't get COVID if you're rioting. It's like, like obviously that's you know not quite how it happened, but that's sort of what it felt like. Like, oh, if you're rioting, that you won't get COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, that how that narrative played out. And then, um, you know, not that I agree with what happened, you know, was it January 6th or whatever. Um, that was like immediately billboards of the FBI were putting up in Chicago from one event. I mean, I know they're different, but it's just I'm pretty sure, you know, the political parties each had their own. It was just interesting how that all played out, whether, you know, you can't disagree with how it was portrayed, you know, but what you believe in relevant in that case well and the important thing it was to one know, day and oh my god everyone got locked down and like somebody stole like some souvenirs off some people's desk and it's like well you know is it theirs because they're taxpayers <laughs> you know? well and these ideas aren't completely inextricable from each other because this is something you know i wrote about the scapegoating ritual that we're living through 
Um, I, I kind of I didn't get it exactly right because I thought it was going to have a lot more to do with Trump um, when it seems to have a lot more to do with the people. And interestingly enough, it although I think the trials are starting soon, so we might see it, we might see an increase in it. But what this the aftermath of uh, the aftermath of the sixth is not it is the fact of the war machine coming home to roost, which coincides with our withdrawal from Afghanistan. Um, we're starting to see what we're see, well, I think what we're witnessing in part is a consolidation of power. And I think the reason why they have to consolidate power in part is because they can't really project their authority the way they could 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, I look at, so the art of propaganda, the art of public relations or the science, however you'd want to put it. Used for good or evil. It is, can, can be used for good or evil, which is an important point which that we is, talk yeah, about a lot, yeah, yeah. but is also the, again, kind of talking about that bend of reality, right? The prism with which you view things through. It's also about trying to influence people on a mass basis, right? So it's always the book an of appeal Eli to is the one herd. Of your good examples you like to refer, and it's a great phenomenal example. Of yeah. It, but the book of Eli, I mean, mm -hmm. Sure, they picked the Bible, but whatever it happened, that was the symbol for that same kind of. And I think they picked the Bible rightly as oh, well. Oh yeah, for, for their um, for sure. Yeah, excuse me. I mean, you know, what would you rather have if you were trying to control a population? Would you rather have the U.S. Constitution or the Bible? You'd rather have the Bible. The U.S. Constitution is kind of this like lofty ideal, whereas the Bible is something that has with literally withstood the test of time and multiple empires. Yeah. Right. And so, and the U.S. Constitution really didn't last more than a hundred years really didn't last more than 50 years yeah <laughs> i mean the articles of confederation didn't even last five so um but this was but but that's but that but that's the part of it right is is the question of how do you influence the masses this is what the propagandists and what the pub, you know public relations what media experts are trying to do this is this is the duty of the cathedral right this is what the universities the press and the government are attempting to do they are attempting to bend reality for the population to serve their will does that make sense so they're trying to bend reality to serve the population to the will but the more you bend something the less strong it becomes right and eventually it's going to break and certainly you know there's a lot of trajectories a lot of ways of analyzing the election of 2020. one thing that i don't i didn't see talked about a lot and i don't know that i talked about it enough was how i saw very it seemed very clear to me that the Biden presidency was actually in many ways an experiment because you're talking about one of the least popular people on the stage. You're talking about one of the least popular politicians, all things considered, right? He basically had nothing ever in his career. And the things that he did have to his name were markers of the time. Obama's and, vice president. Right. Obama's vice president is basically what he had, but, he, Obama's, you but know. he's also very old. He's not very charming compared to other politicians and certainly didn't have the um the 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 groundswell support that you would have expected to see and in fact it was spread out across people like klobuchar people like Buttigieg, and other people in the race and so when you had what was it bernie sanders winning new hampshire and then basically right before super tuesday everybody gets out and endorsed biden i interpreted that as being okay this is a test right this is a test to i, I look at these things i guess and sometimes as tests to see what they can get away with that's just about to say, yeah. yeah and so like and part of this test was to see okay can we get people to vote well, for that, somebody who's effectively? I think that senile? started with you know the Patriot and like the TSA. Like you it started no no no, but see it didn't start there because it's an older this oh, is yeah, a much older idea. Oh, yeah, this is something back. that's been going on for over a hundred years. So to the specific point yeah. of that of the of the 2020 election and kind of this is I think it puts the herd 
as it were, in a different context in that respect, right? Because right, it's like, oh, how could people vote for how could people vote for Biden or how could people vote for Trump? It's you know, it doesn't really matter. It's kind of mirror opposites of it. Um, and you, what what I try to do is understand why somebody is doing it. And effectively, the only reason why you had to vote for Biden was that he wasn't Trump, right? But it was also kind of this experiment again of somebody who is obviously senile we made trump bad enough that anybody obviously obviously somebody who doesn't have his wits about him who isn't a good public speaker who is hunched who is hunched over anytime he walks who can barely right yeah and and which is like the thing that's like like, it's creepy it's It's creepy creepy. i wouldn't say like that should make or break a person but no it's it's very very creepy creepy. it's creepy behavior and what's very interesting is the way that people who are inside of the um of the cathedral uh narrative structure just completely dismiss something like that but it's but again i kind of saw this thing as an experiment i saw this thing as something that was not designed for oh man we haven't been recording that's okay i can download the youtube video uh forgot to press record whoops good thing this is on youtube um (laughs) we have this again, this capacity to look at this thing in terms of an experiment being given to the population. And one thing that I see as a consequence of that is the farther they're trying to bend things, the more likely it is to snap back or break. And we're starting to see, and we're starting to see that. I think we're starting to see that in the waking up of an American right, which has never really existed. See, that was one thing I observed in 2020, again, in response to the riots of where we i would have predicted i would have expected in fact a a much stronger response from that was a big American surprise right. though even hang the on. left was talking yeah yeah hang on real quick though because but like right and everybody was kind of looking for it and expecting it we had kind of talked about it and you know to get your gun right? right and and so why didn't we see it right and so this is something that's been kind of bugging me lately because we still don't see it we're not really i mean larry elder just lost his or uh gavin newsom just won his his um recall he, he just beat the recall measure that was in, implemented in california um you don't really see you have basically desantis right he's like the only republican governor worth a damn you have christy gnome a little bit less so and greg abbott is not really that great right he didn't he he kind of complied with things a lot more um so why don't we see that and i think this goes back to that idea of the cult of american democracy and fox news dad is is it is in part the fox news dad although you know if you want it's it's not exclusively that i i would say the fox news dad is more of a the fox news dad is more of a consequence of generation so it's right, difficult right, right. for somebody of like a boomer generation or a Gen X to really look at the U.S. government the way you or I might look at the U.S. government, because we have been we grew up in the world of the war on terror, where everything in your life was turned upside down for nothing. Right. You have to take your shoes off at the airport. You can't bring you can't bring a freaking water bottle on a plane. You have to pay five dollars for one inside. Yeah, That worked you know. out really bad for Southwest right it's there. Just, Man, we got to sell this expensive water now. Right. <laughs> but, you know, so like but you can bring water. It just has to be through that. And it's, you know, so all these dumb little rules. And I also think, you know, we were pe- we were people who came of age during the Great Recession. We were people who came of age in the aftermath of that, more importantly. And so we don't see what the previous generation did. And so it's very difficult for the previous generation to do is to remove themselves from that mindset of the government is, you know, has my best interest at heart because, you know, at one point in time, Ronald Reagan was president. But also like, I think part of that generational too is at that time when you did the thing you were supposed to do, like the school taught you, you go to college, you become, correct. you know, do you know, whatever it is, 
it worked. You, you could buy your house, you could feed your family like it, it mm-hmm. worked. And then came like ours. It's like, oh, cool. Well, you came out and you're not looking at kids, you're looking at dogs. It's a nice better for your budget because you work 60 hours a week and you still can't do anything, you know, so it's like just how that's I mean, that's due to a bunch of things. But um, exactly. Well, and it's so um, we don't trust, you know, it's just right. System doesn't seem to work. Right. So what's going on? It's, it's not working it. the way that it did and the way it was portrayed. Right. And or the way. Yeah, correct. The way it was portrayed. And like, listen, you and I both know very successful people. So it's not it's never so much. It's never a question of whether some people will succeed. It's a question of who isn't succeeding and why aren't why aren't they? Um, and, and one thing that you definitely the trend of it, at least and the trend of it. Yeah. And so how this relates then back to the idea of mass influence, mass persuasion, mass psychology, propaganda, what have you is, well, now they have the means to do it on a much higher scale. Right. We have, you know, bots on Twitter. We have fake the profile internet. accounts. I mean, we just, have yeah. the Internet as this way of trying to uh, as this way of trying to push an agenda. Right. And so it's just a question of who's pulling the levers. There's always going to be an agenda. There's always going to be bias in these situations. It's just a matter of whose bias is actually winning. Um, And this is, again, kind of a part of the whole thing of growing up is we're not this isn't just a question of secret knowledge. We have, in fact, let's let's take let's take the myth because you kind of brought we were kind of talking about it before. And what popped into my head was was the story of Pandora. Mm. The story of Pandora's box, right? Where like here are these things inside of it, and like you know, they oh, what is this? You know, human being. I want to discover. I want to learn. I want to, and I open this up, and what did I release? Like I said, release. It's similar. It's frankly, it's similar to the story of Adam and Eve. In fact, but that goes back to my viewpoint. I think we're all idiots. <laughs> so we're gonna open the box. We're gonna bite the apple because, mm-hmm. you know. Well, but I don't know. But that's not a question of idiot. I don't think. I think. I think idiot. I use is, that term lovingly. I know simply. you. I, I understand. But this is. But we're on my show, so we're not just gonna. We're not just gonna let something like that slide, um, because it's it's the same way in which people will use the term crazy, right? Yeah. Idiot and crazy is a word we use to try and to try and put something in a it's box. Lazy. Well, no, no, it's to try to put something in a box so we can put it in a perspective and we know whether we need to pay attention to it or ignore it, right? And we can ignore idiots and we can ignore crazy, and so we don't try to understand it as a consequence. Um, I think that there is, you know, the story of the Pandora's box is that she releases death, famine, and pestilence, and that, um, but then hope comes out at the bottom. And so, you know, people have interpreted that story and said, well, is hope a good thing or a bad thing? I think it's just, again, kind of trying to draw an element of, of, of humanity to it. And like a story that's worth telling explains that, you know, there are bad things in the world. And so this is, this is why, right? It's the fault. It's some, it's, it's some woman's fault. As many old stories, as many old stories do. But of course, whomever's box it was, I can't remember the whether it was the god or the person. It was like kept for safekeeping. He also left it unattended. So it's, um, but I, I just fucking up. Yeah. And I just again, I'm trying. I think what I'm trying, what we're kind of dancing around here, at least in my mind, is trying to really understand the forces at play. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like the forces at play. And so when we look at somebody like Joe Biden, we don't look at him as like a single person. We look at him as like a brand. We look at him as we look at him as something with a team behind him to, again, trying to influence people. And he is just he really is the clearest example of a mouthpiece. And I kind of I like to call him the clip show president because he's basically just trying to play the hits of what American presidents have done. Right. So even now in the aftermath of Afghanistan, right, where we're now drone bombing again and we drone, we we like killed an aid worker and 10 other people. But that's that's following in the history of American presidents as well. Yeah. He's not doing anything new there. He's bombing a country to try and just trying to remove a bad uh, remove a bad press cycle from him. Yeah. And 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 what's happening as a consequence. Right. People are dying. And again, what's 
what's tough then going back because I'm trying to get, I'm trying to drive at the idea of secret knowledge. It is, it seems in the outset, if you're not really trying to pay closely enough to it, if you're not really trying to look at it again, that, well, if everyone just knew, mm-hmm. if everyone just knew the information is out there, right? The only difference between you and me is the type of sites that I obsess over. Right. And the fact that I've been like actively doing this for a number of years and I'm trying to bring it to a larger audience. But yeah. then when you talk about what you do, like I, I don't I don't always understand the full context of it. But here's my point is the information exists. The information is out there. It is available to most people, pretty much effectively anyone. Right? For a very long time. Effectively anyone. Yeah. Not even the written word, but even just the Internet. Right. Yeah, well, yeah. And and so why don't people you know like there's there's this conversation happening a little bit now with like whether you should be on social media what kind of social media should facebook exist should it be broken up blah 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 why is it that facebook has billion of billions of active users still why is it that like when i log on to facebook for once for the once a month where i do and i kind of scroll through it's like oh people are sharing articles that are literally saying like this is why facebook is so bad it's like well you're but on then you're it. still on the platform <laughs> right why don't why aren't people migrating and they don't want to admit else? it that's the that's the other thing is like well but i have to be on here to spread the good word about how bad facebook. it's like well that's not how that's, that's because it's giving you a mission it's letting you run as your rat in the maze watching fox news and getting pissed off at the end of the day exactly and that's one of the things that i try to do with the been awake project for better sense making is model the better conversation Right. Like we could come out here and just be angry at the different things that were happening. Yeah. Right. And, and try to like, be and poor, like, right. Right. Or, or we could be poor and we could but be poor as a consequence. A few of my frankly, problems, right? well, so. I was going to also say, frankly, if we, if we did more of like, a, oh, can you believe this? That, would, that actually might make us well, some money. You, you know, can you believe that the France fucking went through their ambassadors and we went, I, you know, I haven't, you've actually read more about that story than <laughs> no, I was just do, like, so it really happened last comment. night. Now it's just like, this is the most the weirdest thing that just, well, and we live in an interesting timeline. We live in a weird timeline. And one thing that chalk it up to going, going back to the Fox yeah. News dad, right, or going yeah. back to the idea of the corporate press is that these at these apparatuses are purposefully trying to let, leave people in a sense of denial, ignorance with the appearance of with the appearance of knowledge and understanding. Yeah. Right. Like like Tucker Carlson does a good job, but he doesn't do a great job and he gets things wrong. But that's one show. That's one hour a day on Fox News. Yeah. The rest of it isn't really the rest of it isn't the same kind of show. Um, and so, again, this is again, we're driving at the idea of secret knowledge and we're driving. And what does it mean? And so I think a lot of people in alternative circles, right, alternative media circles, libertarian, left wing socialist, eco- ecology, you know, whatever, whichever one it would be. There is this propendency to be like well i i know like i've got the secret knowledge and these people are all dummies as a consequence yeah. and it's um it's not true like even even what you think you know is still a carefully constructed narrative and so it's not the question that if everybody just paid hey, what, attention what, to the people hang on were, it's not the question that if everybody just paid attention to the people that were um that you were paying attention to that they would necessarily change their mind it is the case again this is this goes back to human behavior and human nature which is to say why do people log on facebook because it's a habit yeah and because facebook gives them what they want it's the right color it makes them angry it. it makes them upset it makes them feel as if they are accomplishing Alive. something this is one of the reasons why i recently turned twitter off twitter notifications off my phone because i found myself like obsessively scrolling through to see what some to see what dumb controversy was occurring inside of a very small twitter space and you know i'm sure you have similar things on instagram 
where there's some kind of drama. And, oh, yeah. and so what I realized, of shame, and, that's, right? and that's not why I'm, that, what I'm trying to do is model the better conversation. So like, that's why I want to focus on the writing and the podcasting and, and things like that instead. Stuff you, there's tangible stuff you can get done, stuff that changes your life, stuff that you can affect in your life versus the, well, I'm just going to be mad at these fuckers over here, right? Correct. Like, well, Good, you're mad at them, but that doesn't help. What just gives you raises your cortisol, right? And I think part of again going back to this message of growing up is that recognizing, you know, like, hey, listen, if you just want to go on and scream into the wind, and you just want to be that kind of guy, like, you know, I've always said, like, trolls have a different mission than me, right? Oh, yeah. But it's still fun. It's, it's fun, right? Yeah. If you're just looking to have fun and all that, fine. I have zero. I really don't. But they're have an issue aware with of that. it. No, no, no but you best be aware of it. Right. You best be aware that that's what you're doing. And too often those kinds of people can get caught up in their own, you know, in the smelling of their own farts, as it were, to use yeah. the South park metaphor and think that they are in fact accomplishing something like there is an element of, as it's like kind of, I Bob and Jim liked it. I must've changed the world. They like my post. See that Janet right there. Yeah. There is this, there is a consequence of, um, I just completely lost it. But, oh, there is this consequence of like, again, I, yeah, I just got the likes like, oh, this tweet just went wide and, you know, it's, or it's going wide. It got retweeted. It makes me feel good as the endorphins and that dopamine hit the dopamine hit. And so it's like, well, it's a lot easier to get a dopamine hit on Twitter than it is to get a dopamine hit in your everyday life with like your job, because that requires a lot more work. Not to say that the people who don't have really good Twitter accounts don't pour work and effort into it. And obviously some people can earn an entire living based off having a good Twitter. But it's account. not about how many likes you get, but it's only a few people that are going yeah. to be able to do that. Right. right? right. So again, if you think that you're, it, my point here isn't to say don't have fun. My point here is to say that if if you're just having fun, then recognize that you're having fun be and, awake. Be, and be yeah, well, and make sure that you're not you're not like pushing out into other areas because yeah. and, and, and also then and me as a creator, like that's something I have to struggle with. And I actually wrote about that is like it's difficult for me to have fun sometimes because I I'm a I'm a much more serious person, just just temperamentally speaking. I like to have fun. I love to laugh and things like that. But it's something that I have to like work on because it is easy for me to obsess and it is easy for me to like lose myself in these ideas and in anger and like being so upset at the world. And that's where I've come to this position where I am right now. Yeah. Right. Like where I try. So what I do is I make a conscious effort to be positive, to be realistic, but to be positive because factual is I, how I see, like, mm -hmm. see what you're, you know, when we talk. Yeah, exactly. So what, what else we got? We got any other questions or it doesn't uh, have to be about that. What, so the like, one thing that yeah. I just had going back um, when you mentioned, you know, how little, you know, you don't know, you know, I mean, I forget what religion it is or who said it, but it's very famous. So maybe, you know, uh, I know nothing, right? That's the phrase you're supposed to repeat. Um, and then there was that Roman emperor who had behind him that said, "What? What is it? You're bound to fit." What is? The, was, you know, what I'm talking about the slave uh, that was behind him that was always supposed to whisper in his ear. And I don't know which one that would have been, but I'm not the best Roman uh, history um, buff. The other quote, though, that is that that's attributed to Socrates. Plato's or Socrates. Or yeah, whatever it is, it's attributed to Plato's Socrates, right? And it, it is the foundation of skepticism. And so one way that I like to say that is Socrates was called the wisest man in in Greece by the Oracle of Delphi not for what he knew, but for what he didn't know. And so what I try to do as in the, in the sense making is help people orient themselves because we exist in 360 degrees in 3d. Yeah. Yeah, we exist. Right. Yeah. Guess, but yeah. We, but so but the point is it's not linear. Life isn't necessarily Nothing linear, flat, even yeah. though, even though it might appear that way. And so it matters the direction that you're looking. It matters 
the orientation of the orientation of your thoughts and, and what direction they're going to go in, especially in the world that we live in, which is to say that we have all the information. It really is a question of interpretation. Going back to the point of secret knowledge, right? Yeah. Before there was always secret knowledge. Now there really isn't, right? Like now secret knowledge is now secret now it's knowledge a flood is, of secret knowledge. Now, right. Because even even the most even the most ardent, um, and I bemoan the term and I don't like using it, but even the most ardent conspiracy theorist. Right. Who's like, oh, no, I'm going to work on the stuff that you can barely prove is still trying to is still trying to find evidence to prove their point. Right. Just just to put that out there. Right. Yeah. Whether it's like and like I love, I love mysteries you and I both love the ancient aliens. So oh, it's God. not it's well, not it's a, just a fun way to put a context because they pull out all the weird shit. And you're like, well, it's probably not aliens, but that's pretty cool. You know, like you know, Armstrong when the the metal library It's like, well, this did sort of that's weird. Like why you have did, the shrunken earth, you have like yeah. hollow earth. You, there are all these different things. It's that more fun. of a fun thing, but I'm not like. Yeah. But it, but it's a fun thing, yeah. right? And my point here again is that we don't live in a world of secret information. We live in a world of interpreting information, exactly. and that right. is a question of orientation. That's a question of the lenses that you push things, that you put things through, or the matrices, if you will, to try and quantify and qualify the information that you're perceiving. So part of that orientation starts with epistemic humility, starts with the base point of skepticism, which is to say, I'm going to doubt information before I take it for granted. Now, the problem with that is for temperamentally speaking, that's a very rare trait. That's not something that's just innate in people. It's something that has to be bred. It's something that has to be cult cultivated. It has to be an element of culture. And there is something to be said for the fact that not everybody can think that way or should think that way. Because the problem with overthinking things is that you never take action. So yep. we have, so really we have to try and find the balance, but starting from a standpoint of epistemic humility helps put you in a frame of mind that lets you understand the world a better, in, in a better way, such that you can actually have more better formed and also called thing outside the box. I mean, right. I mean, that'd be an, I well, you know my thing on that. Yeah. Is that you can't think outside the box. You can only go think in another box. Because because our brains ha again our brains have to like, fit. There is no box. But no, but there is a box. There has to be a box. There has to be a limit. There yeah. has to be a limit to what we perceive. Like boundaries are actually the beginning point of freedom, because without boundaries, yeah. you have no idea where you can go. And that goes for intellectual ideas and in the physical space as well. Um, so again, this this question of orientation is how do we actually position ourselves? Are we going to position ourselves as somebody who just gets mad at the TV? as we're drinking a couple beers at the end of the day yeah. and why do we think why do we why do we get mad at the tv why because, do we I, choose because it? i was that somebody i was that person for a long time right and i think part of it comes back to this idea of powerlessness and like it's actually a recognition of how little power that you actually have over the world so, uh, and yet and yet we still obsess over and yet we still obsess over these stories and these ideas yeah um and one of the things that I sort of just to tie it back to something that you don't touch on often, but we have a good association with history. Um, a theology professor we both know, and I think we both enjoyed fairly well. Um, he, you know, I'm just gonna take a little bit out of context. We can add a little bit more if you want, but you know, life is like wearing glasses with different filters on it. And you could wear your angry filters, you know, like you could, it's how you view the world. Cause the question we, you know, posed to him was, well, what's heaven, what's hell? And he's like, I don't think heaven and hell is a place like, you know, it's your life, right? If you're in heaven, it's how you're viewing, you know, life. Mm -hmm. If you're in hell, I mean, guess what? That if your life could be literally be hell and the Bible is supposed to, you know, if you're using the Bible as that example, here's the guidance, get out of it. Right. Um, but so that filters how you viewing life 
goes through everything. You can just sit there and be pissed off at everything going on. Well, yeah, I mean, can you do stuff about it? You know, that's the other question too, is what can you actually do? Are you going to dedicate your life to this? Because there's even like I've figured out with all the crazy shit I come up with, it's like, well, this, you know, I've, as I get older, I realize how little I can actually do. Mm-hmm. Not in like the bad sense, but like, you know, how much you, you know, on Facebook, you feel like you're doing activism, you're fixing the economy. Uh, guess what? You just, t- your uncle now is okay with gay people all of a sudden. He was not before, right? You're, you know, your other, you know, your grandma's not racist anymore. She's okay with Jews, like all this. You're fixing this on Facebook, all these things that you couldn't. <laughs> Right. I mean, like, that's what you're feeling. Yeah, I got him. Oh, cool. And look at this guy, you know, this bakery, fuck that bakery. They won't serve gay. Like, you know, you just, you can just get that, like, oh, that hit. And, you know, that's part of how you're viewing what you're choosing to get addicted to. Right. Yeah. We don't, well, we don't always consciously are aware. Well, and I think it's interesting that you chose the language choose to get addicted to. Right. Because I started, I started I smoking who said that that was, that was Mark Mason. It could be, recently. but, but it, but it's just, an interesting idea to... because it's like, okay, so I started smoking no, cigars. Sorry. I'll, I'll have to yeah. tell you, but it was a doctor. Okay. Uh, really yeah. yeah. Doctor. It's, it's a, um, I started smoking at like 16 years old, right. Cigars and pipes and stuff like that. I started smoking cigarettes when I turned 18, uh, dipped for a while, used va- vaped for four or five years. And now I'm, now I don't have a daily addiction. I might take, I might chew a piece of gum. Yeah. Coffee doesn't count. Right. With nicotine specifically. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And it was something that I really worked hard on to break my daily dependency on it. And I probably do have, but and, you know, maybe I'll have a piece of gum, but usually that's tied to like a meeting or if I'm driving, there are many days where I don't, where I don't, um, where I won't take any nicotine at all. And that's, a, that was a pretty cool feeling of being able to break that dependence on it. But, you know, did I, did at what point, I think you choose to stay addicted, but I don't know that I would, I would agree with the idea that you choose to become addicted. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because the addiction kind of happens as a result of the habit and like, let's not being conscious about it. Right. Correct. So that's, that's that's a reflection. So so this is more than the reflection of like, well, are you, you know, addicted to good habits, right? Like, are you doing those things, you know? And if you go the wrong side, you know, you're, you you just fall into an addiction, whether that be a bad habit or like a literal, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm drinking every day. Well, that's, that's one of the general societal ones you shouldn't, you know, right. So, um, but it's also, but but addicted to being angry, right? Like that's part of the whole addicted to the media cycle. Right. And I think, um, Fox news, just to, to kind of wrap it up in a nice little bow. What I think, what, what has become apparent to me is focusing on the things that you can change. And one of the things, and this is the Jordan Peterson point of you can easily change yourself. Or you can't easily change yourself, but you can more easily change yourself bed, than yeah. society. You can make your bed in the morning and you're and, and right. And like you said, and like maybe, you know, maybe part of maybe part of working on your grandparents or like a or family member or something like that is just kind of being there. Cause because I I was certainly that family member who would always want to like have an argument and stuff. And I and I wrote about this recently. It's like we don't live in those times. If you have marginal political beliefs, you need to be careful. And it's more important and it's better, in fact, in every way for people in your life to think of you as a solid, dependable person than it is for them to think of you as a consequence of your political ideology. Yeah, I mean, it sucks that people are now, that's how we're looking at, you know, like what people are saying, well, I enjoy you as a person, you have different views. So tell me about Alio. Uh, Unless you had something else you wanted to go over. No, no, I think that was, you know, mostly just, I think we've covered mostly the all the yeah i mean i can't think of anything else that yeah uh, yeah we can we can move off the war on terror stuff 
Um, well, like I said, the, the interesting is just in trying to figure out like, you know, people can call it like, well, what's worth doing during all these times, right? Yeah, and, which is why I'm asking you right, to tell me well, and the exactly. people about Alio. Well, it, you know, I come up with stuff, I make stuff. You know, that's what I've always done. Things pop into my head and generally it's, I'm, I have, other people might call it annoying. It's annoyed me at times when if I can't solve something, I generally don't look for the tools to see if it exists first. I come up with it. And then I hope I can find one to buy. Like it's in my head whatever I need. And then let's see if I can find it. Oh crap. I can't buy it. Well now guess what? I have to make it right. Have to, that's sort of the, you know, um, and I've been doing that for at least 15 years. Um, you know, if not longer, just as a profession of sorts, you know, in some capacity, you know, I bartender, I've had a lot of random jobs trying to figure out what skill sets I can put into the world, right? Um, and help make the world better and find, you know, something sustainable for myself as well. And, you know, you're a good person to talk to and that's something so, you're spreading is- Alio is his company, by yeah. the way, if you couldn't- Well, that's, you know, right. that's the that's name okay. I work under because uh, I, with my last name, it's incredibly hard to spell and say, yeah. and, you know, so it's just Ford, you know, one of my uh, marketing buddies like, man, if you can get something four letters, that's the best you could do. And I'm like, and then just recently I realized you can flip it. If I change the logo, I can flip it like a, what is it? Anagram, mm -hmm. right? And I was like, oh, that's even better. Aren't anagrams the coolest thing ever? Oh, I mean, we could show it in the video. So yeah. I just want to grab it. And yeah, we'll just do this real quick and then we'll wrap because I know a lot of my, uh, a lot of my, my friends and followers and fans and people who like to listen to good entertaining content are bearded fellows. It also works great on hair, but one thing that he has designed that I absolutely love is his beard comb with an integrated water system. And I've had a few trade shows recently. It gets the crimp out. It. Gets the gets mass crimp out for sure. Yeah. Also, it does work on your regular hair too. It fits nicely in your pocket. One thing that I love about the stuff that you design, in fact, if you ever come over to my place and you look at the cool things, a lot of them were actually gifts that he's given me over the years is for like for like birthdays and stuff like that. I'm terrible that. at birthdays. So I sort of make up for it by giving like a friend, like one year is like this friend gets finally three years worth of gifts in one <laughs> gift. It's like, here's one really cool thing. I finally like completed your gift three years later. This is for like three birthdays and uh, but, you know, as far as the whole, like, don't be poor, work on yourself, make yourself better mentality is, you know, is, is people is to make sure that you're supporting creators and make sure that you're supporting makers. So it's get dot maintained on Instagram. You are a creature of Instagram. So if you want, you can follow his stuff there. Yeah. He does make stuff. It seems like if you take pictures of the stuff you make, it ends up being how you get yeah. people to see the stuff you make. Precisely. You'll be on the Nomad be, Network soon enough. Yeah. I'm going to get you the links that you can join it. So um, anything else you want to plug before we get out of here? No, I mean, I'm, so I've got a couple of things working on. We've talked about it um, and uh, just see where some of these things, that's it. So that's sort of the goal of what I'm doing is I've made a lot of things. Let's start putting them out there and see what happens. You know, there's a few failures, but the most frustrating thing to me as I've gotten older, like say over the last five years is I have a note, like notebooks and notebooks of ideas and sketches and like 3D, like I just put things down. Otherwise I can't sleep. And over the past, like five, 10 years, I've seen people patent some of the ideas I had. And this is nothing new. Like, it's not like I'm super special and super smart that I have these, like other people have this too. It's a cycle of history. And I'm trying to be like, well, might as well start putting out some of these ideas that I really like. And I wasn't sure if other people do, because it turns out like with the beard comb, other people liked it. Right. So absolutely. Having well, those and conversations and. Yeah. And if you're, if, if you're a follower of the get man, get maintained uh, Instagram page, 
Um, my name is LB Muniz. You can find me at beenawake.com. Subscribe there with your email address. I'm on all social media at the LB Muniz, where I put together better sense making kind of a little bit how this conversation, I mean, this is kind of how we just talk on a regular basis. So hopefully the audience enjoyed it. Um, but you know, less spread out like it usually is. We bounce around quite a bit. <laughs> there's the there's the page. If you're watching the video, you can go ahead. There will be a new promo. Um, so your first year is 50 percent off. So it's only forty nine dollars. Uh, and yeah, I mean, you know, hopefully you guys like this. Interview. Um, it was a lot of fun. Uh, it's fun to kind of get back out there. So, you know, live well. Cheers. like what you heard today, go to inawake.com to subscribe for future updates. My name is LB Muniz, and I am not one with the woke.